there. Welcome to How I Got Hired. This is the podcast to inspire ambitious professionals just like you to find that job you love or completely reinvent your career. I'm your host, Sonal Behel, the founder of Supercharge and Career Strategist. And every week, I hold conversations with ordinary people from around the world who've had extraordinary success in finding their dream job so you can learn how they got hired. And my guest today is the one and only Madeline Mann. When I think of Madeline, I think of two things. Rapid fire job search tips and entertainment. Oh my gosh, Madeline is probably the only career coach I know who is killing it on YouTube, TikTok and LinkedIn all at the same time. So today we will speak with Madeline about her own career journey in senior HR roles in startups in gaming, tech, and the energy sector. And we are going to talk about what made her start her iconic brand, Self-Made Millennial. Madeline, very warm welcome to How I Got Hired. Thank you so much for having me. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I've been thinking about this conversation for weeks and we are going to get started. So um, Madeline, I tend to sort of start off with hard-hitting questions. Are you ready? Let's do it. Okay, awesome. So Madeline, we're recording in 2021. So just so our listener knows, is when you quit your nine to five and decided to pursue self-made millennial full time. So we will be talking about that uh, very soon. In the meantime, I want to know about the last 11 years of all the positions that you've held in mobile gaming, tech and energy, which one or which ones would you say you were lucky to have had? And how did you get hired there? What is it that helped you to stand out? I would say that my first big role in human resources, so in the path I wanted, which is in the technology field, was at Scopely, that was the mobile games company. And there I really got to see how a high-performing human resources team functions and what it means to put together a company culture that is very thoughtful. And that really helped me to land my job at GEM, where I ended up leading the full HR function. So the CEO brought me in as the first human resources hire and said, I want to scale a company where the culture is proactively exactly what we want that we're not looking using HR to fix things, but actually to build a better future so that every employee sees this as the highlight of their career. And I will say that that role completely changed me. I gained so much confidence because it truly, I was pushed out there into the open and I said, okay, you need to figure this out. And I have to admit this. I bought books about like, how to lead human resources and all this stuff, because, you know, I'd been on teams before and it was funny to go on Amazon and be like, wow, I have no idea what I'm doing, but by diving in, taking a job before I was ready and then absolutely blowing it out of the water. I just, I've never felt so much in my zone of genius as I did there. It really helped me to skyrocket my career and say, wow, I'm, I'm capable of a lot. I'm This is the career that I was meant to do. Yeah, I love that. And we're going to talk about uh, those books (laughs) in a second. But in the meantime, talk to us about what is it that, you know, made you stand out, Madeline? Because, you know, I'm guessing the CEO may have had options uh, at Scopely. Why you? 
Okay. So when you're thinking about when I went to be the head of, of HR at the, at gem, yes. Mm -hmm. So I would say that I came in with opinions Mm -hmm. and, and very, I came in not as someone who was, Oh, I'll do anything. And yeah, whatever you want. And, and, and I like it all. I said, here's the type of professional I am. Here's what I'm really good at. Here's what, you know, if this job is more than 50% administrative, like it probably wouldn't be the right fit for me, but I am also very good at the admin side, but I need to be at a role where I'm very focused on building the strategic culture and organizational development. And so I was just, I came in with a lot of perspectives. I came in with a lot of frameworks that I followed. And I think when you're able to speak in frameworks and have a very, uh, a distinct point of view, a company is really, they, it's, it's a lot easier for them to make a yes or no decision on you because it's, you're less in this gray area of, well, maybe it could be nice to work with her when you have a perspective and it fits what they want. It's just, it's, it's a very quick. Yes. Yeah. And I'm guessing also you did uh, a massive amount of research into the company to see, um, for fit, right? Exactly. Making sure that, yeah, that it was a good fit for both sides and that I was speaking to a CEO and to a team where they would be receptive to my perspective. I love that. Um, I have not heard this answer before, so this is really unique. What is it that made you stand out? Um, Two things I I heard, which I want to repeat to the listener. Number one, I came in with a very distinct POV, a point of view, um, which means It was like, take it or leave it. This is how I think. And the second, I spoke in the language of frameworks, right? So this becomes more issue focused. Like this is what I can bring. And it's less about, I don't know how to say this. It's less about Madeline. It's more about this is the person to solve our problems. Because I'm guessing, Madeline, this is one of the things that helps to, you know, the confidence can sometimes be perceived or misunderstood as arrogance. Do you know what I mean? And if you're speaking in like, okay, issue focused, framework focused, this is what I bring. And, you know, she's nice to be with and she has a great personality and she's not afraid to speak about slightly contentious issues. It's like, you know, let's seal the deal. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. It's, I did speak very confidently, but it wasn't my way is the best or Mm. or anything like that. Or I've done great things in my past. Mm. It was when I think through this strategically, here are the things I consider and here's how I've implemented this in the past. And here's how this could be good for your company. Like you're right. it, It does come from a place of having that perspective, but also that you're grounding it in things that are proven to where it doesn't feel like you're bragging. I love that. I love that. So um, then it it sort of became an easy, easier decision for the company to say yes to you, right? It was, I, I was going through several different interview processes and that one, I, I was just, I don't know, I'll just go through this. I was pretty down at that moment and it happened so quickly. You're right. Like it, I think, I think I landed the offer within a week of the first interview. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And this is so important to the listener because things are picking up where we're talking in 2021. 
oh my gosh, I'm seeing clients with multiple offers. And this is a, what do you say? A new, new level, new devil. I don't know which one to pick. Please help me. I'm like, first of all, hey, this is a good problem to have. <laughs> Second of all, the ones who look a little more hungry for you, it goes both ways, right? It's not just the candidate who looks more hungry for you. It's also the company who's going out of their way, bending over backwards, you know, to make sure you're happy. That matters. That tells you something about the company culture as well. Absolutely. I think there, and that's the thing is, is there's this constant play of, Ooh, if I act too eager, will I seem desperate? And it's like, no, companies really want to see that eagerness. And then also from the other side, companies also want to, uh, you know, do things for you where if you say, Hey, I just got another job offer. They, by telling them that they might say, okay, let me speed up our process for you. And that's a great sign. It is a great sign. And there's a little secret, which uh, HR to HR, we don't really talk about, but people make exceptions all the time. All the time. (laughs) I've been saying this for years. I'm like, no, these are the rules. I'm like, yeah, the rules are there for a reason. But when an organization falls in love with someone, they will make sure at whatever price they're like, and the CEO is going to throw tantrums like a <laughs> newborn baby to make sure, did you hire her yet? So I, I hear you. I love that. And, you know, speaking of, so industries and all that. So Madeline, I, I want to talk to you about this. You know, when um, someone who's listening has a very specific functional focus, like let's say someone's in marketing or HR or finance, I tend to think a lot of these skills are transferable. But there's a big bunch of people out there and I see these conversations online where people are like, you know, stick to that industry. It's not that easy. Once you're in tech, it's not easy to go outside or vice versa. So if I'm in pharma and I'm fascinated by Amazon, what's the point of applying because um, they're not going to look at me? You have changed industries multiple times and I'd love for you to share your favorite tips to help someone who's looking to do so. Yeah, so I would say that there's there's multiple different ways that you could view uh, a career change and industry change is yeah pivoting industry and then pivoting role. If you're trying to do both, that is a lot more challenging than if you're just trying to do one. Yeah, um, I would say that while I have changed, you know, as you said before, it was it was video games, technology, uh, energy. They're all in the basically the growth stage technology realm. So all of these companies had a similar pedigree. Similar, they were structured similarly, similar departments. They all were very technology based. So for me, I was, while it was, you know, I really got to taste different industries. It wasn't this like my, me being able to transfer my experience um, to me felt very natural. I would say that what's so important is really networking within whatever industry you want to go into and understanding, are you using the wrong lingo? Do they use the term members and you're using the term clients? Like instantly they're going to be confused or, or you always use the term patient and they always use the term customer. You know, these things will just immediately at make it so that your communication with these industries, you just feel like someone who's completely removed. So understanding those nuances, as well as understanding if there's anywhere you need to upskill, such as if I was to, you know, transition from the technology industry to uh, let's say education, right? There might be certain 
uh, things in the human resources function that there's just different dynamics there and, and different things I would need to understand. And so there might be certain certifications I need and whatnot. So, but one thing that people do wrong all the time is that they say, okay, I want to go into education. I'm just getting a bunch of certifications without talking mm -hmm. to people in that industry. And they go, oh yeah, I transitioned to this industry. I didn't need any of those. I think people are often that's the easiest thing to do. And so they do it, but it's often a waste of time, waste of money. If you have not gotten confirmation, that's actually going to make a difference. Oh, I love that. And I'm, I'm um, relating that so much with um, when you're self-employed, so many small business marketing tools, I talk about this a lot that are relevant to job seekers. And they're like, oh yeah, you don't get this, you're self-employed. I'm like, actually, it's really similar. It's called validating your idea before you make a course and throw it into the market. And people are like, I don't need it. And there you went spending six months, just like you said, a certification or head inside creating all these videos and courses. And it's like crickets, nobody wants it. It's painful. <laughs> it's super painful. So much money, so much put in. We're just always default to education, education. Like yeah. we need to learn yeah. more when really we need more career coaching. We need guidance. We need someone who's going to be helping us negotiate that next salary. So we're making, you know, 30,000 more versus 5,000 less, you know, really there's so many different elements that people don't realize go into the job search. Yeah. And, and I know, you, uh, Madeline, you talk a lot about this on your YouTube channel. So someone who's listening or like, this sounds fantastic. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to test the waters. I want to reach out. How do I do it? Like I'm paralyzed with fear and overwhelm. What do I do? How do I, so what are your favorite tips to help this person? So I really think it's super important to look for people who are an underdog like you. And I think a lot of us are underdogs out there. Maybe we are veterans and we've, we, you know, we're now becoming civilians. Why don't we find people at companies who have had that similar journey and speak to them instantly our heart rate and our nervousness goes down and the, the likelihood that that person will respond goes up so much because we have something to connect with them on. So really starting with that human aspect, it's, I don't believe networking is a numbers game. Reach out to as many people as possible. It's a relationships game. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I love the underdog strategy because it instantly makes you feel like, ah, oh, she's one of, she's one of us. He's mm -hmm. like me and it's less intimidating. I love that. Um, awesome. So now let's switch gears and we're going to talk about self-made millennial that you started four years ago. And um, I'm remembering the conversation that I had with Austin Belsack, and I know he's a friend of yours as well. And, you know, we talked about that stage because uh, we had spoken the same week when he uh, left Microsoft. So, you know, it's that thing about like, at what point uh, does one decide that I'm done um, with the nine to five and I'm, I'm jumping ahead, but first let's talk about like self-made millennial, the YouTube channel, which you started. Can you believe it? It's been four years. And it's so bonkers. Oh my gosh. And, you know, talk to us about this. What made you start? Okay. I was leading the human resources department at, at a tech company. And I was the one who was in every single interview debrief. I was the one who was looking through resumes, working with executives to ensure that we were hiring the best possible people for their team. And I have a psychology background. I have two psychology degrees and I was just seeing some 
human behavior patterns that were so clear to me of what the people who got the job did versus the people who didn't get the job. And it, I'll tell you right now, it was not due to they checked every single box of mm. the certain experience. There were other factors that I said, wow, if only job seekers could see what I see, mm. this would change the game. And so I set out to start creating content because I wanted to help people. And I made sure it was very actionable. Mm. I made sure that it was fun because I saw a lot of career content out there was high level and kind of dry. Yeah. And I wanted to get weird with it. And so I started building YouTube videos and it just absolutely has been such a pleasure. And just the thousands and thousands of success stories that I've poured in has just made my heart so full and just, it's just been an absolute blast. Oh my gosh. I am sure that the impact is massive, right? For uh, when you start a channel like that and, you know, at the same time, uh, Madeline, uh, when it comes to things like YouTube, TikTok, just putting yourself out there. Uh, how do I say it? It's bloody scary. How'd you get over yourself? I guess I would say I was nobody. No mm. one knew who I was. Mm. And I had nothing to lose. Mm. So I was nobody. I could go out there and, you know, make a fool of myself to, I don't know, a couple thousand people. Mm. And maybe it would, maybe it just wouldn't work out. And again, the world would have no idea who I was. So it it just didn't matter. The stakes were so low. Yeah. Yeah. And so now the stakes are quite a bit higher. People do (laughs) pay attention to what I do, but what's wonderful is with that curve, you know, as you're kind of rising up to have, you know, more eyes on you, you're learning. And still I make public mistakes and I, you know, do things that are blunders, but in the end, it's just, you know, it really only have one life. And so why not just be risky with it? And I'm still standing, I'm still living. So, you know, obviously anything that's knocked me down before hasn't, hasn't been too bad to, to keep me down. No, I love that. Uh, what's the worst that will happen? <laughs> that's I knew when I said that you were going to ask that question. <laughs> no, really, um, really. I would say, um, I would just say that there's just folks who, uh, you know, we'll just kind of try to tear you down like live, um, like that, that the first time that happened. Um, and that's so many people who go live all the time. They're like, Oh yeah, that happens to me too. But I think the first time it happened, it really, uh, was shocking to, Mm. you know, be having, you know, literal hours and hours of free content out there helping people and people still try to shame you for that. And it's so weird. Um, firstly, thank you for sharing. You know, it's funny because when I said, what's the worst that will happen? I meant it like a, like a, like a rhetorical statement, like oh. putting yourself. But no, I'm so glad you yeah. shared that because I, I go live regularly as well. And it's one negative comment. After a while, Madeline, we develop a thick skin, right? But right. it still hurts. So one negative versus thousands of positive. It's like, okay, pay attention, dude. Like, let's get our head in the game. Like context. <laughs> Were you really going to let one? And it's like, who is this person? Is this person a little unhappy? Like what's going on? And and can we go around fixing everything and making everyone happy? It's impossible to do that. Right, exactly. And so, yeah, you just got to let it roll off your back. And I'm a lot better at that now. Yeah, I get that. So, you know, Madeline in April. So I'm uh, very excited to hear about this. So you left the nine to five. You made this big announcement on LinkedIn. And... I had a feeling this was coming because you were getting busier and busier. You were coming out with all these, 
you know, programs, everything you're doing. So I knew it was a matter of time. And then you announced it and I was like, yeah, there you go. There's another success story. So what is it that made you put up your boots and say, hey, this has been great. I, I've loved this journey. And, you know, telling your employer, um, this is where the chapter comes to an end. What made you decide that and pursue self-made millennial full-time? So if you had talked to me, so I left in, I think, end of March. If you mm-hmm. talked to me in February, okay? Mm-hmm. And, and I was talking to friends in February about this. They said, when are you going to leave your job? I said, I'm not going to leave my job. Oh. I love my job. Yeah. I, and I never planned to leave, hmm. you know, the, the nine to five or my career or anything like that, because I found my dream career. I hmm. found hmm. my, my, the work that where I was playing to my strengths every single day, and it was hmm. completely aligned with my values. And that's really what I teach people how to find. Yeah. And it's also, I I've grown up, you know, in a household, you know, with an entrepreneur, I've worked at companies with people who, you know, are entrepreneurs. Being an entrepreneur is, one of the most stressful things you can do to yourself. Yeah. Um, and so I knew that working at a, a company that I believed in that was playing to my strengths, that was actually much less stressful. And so I never in my life wanted to be an entrepreneur. The reason why I left my job was because when I looked at the impact I was making on the people who were joining my private coaching program, and just how I was changing hundreds of people's lives forever. Like people were like crying. This is, this is, you've changed my life forever. Like I will take everything I've learned from you. And this will, this has completely changed my confidence, uh, you know, my career trajectory, everything. I was like, I'm making a bigger impact with these people in, you know, also on YouTube and all that stuff than I am making my day-to-day job. And it actually is almost like irresponsible to stay in my spending four hour, 40 hours a week on a, you know, that job when I could be helping thousands and thousands of people every day. So that was the, that was the turning point for me. Um, it was just the success of self-made millennial just became so evident that while I did love my nine to five, it's like, I'm not going to give up self-made millennial. It was like, it was kind of like this push pull at a certain point And I just took the dive. Yeah, and you sure did. And and um, at the time we're recording this, if I remember correctly, last week, you uh, released a post where you, I think you hired your first uh, full-time employee, right? Yeah, I announced that I hired a, a, another employee, yeah. Another employee. Ah, yeah, you've, you've got other uh, full-time employees. So that's fantastic. So obviously you're making an impact, you're making a huge impact on people's lives. And talk to us about when you started Self-Made Millennial four years ago, how you got hired by your very first paying client. Do you remember that, Madeline? Um, what did it feel like? To be honest, I don't remember because I didn't do it for the money. Mm-hmm. I wasn't, mm-hmm. I wasn't, I didn't start this channel. I didn't start any of this to, mm-hmm. to get paid. Mm-hmm. And so by the time I was taking on paid clients, I had so much interest. Like it was, it was almost like, it wasn't like, oh, I finally got a client. It was like, okay, I should probably start coaching because I have so many people on a wait list, but I just, I have a full-time job. So yeah. I don't, I'm not able to serve them. So I think for me, it was like, okay, you know, finally I'll, I'll step into this, but it was just, I really didn't, it didn't introduce money into the equation for over a year after starting this, because I just, I wanted it to be pure fun. I wanted it to just and then, and then once I realized that when people pay, they pay attention and they get yeah. better results, I realized actually having people pay for my services actually gets them so much farther in their career. So that's when I really got comfortable with it. 
Got it. Makes sense. Makes perfect sense. And Madeline, I'm going to ask you a very funny question. So when it comes to career coaches and, and LinkedIn, there's so much advice out there. And a lot of the a lot of the advice works. It's tried and tested. Is there something that you keep repeating over and over again? And yet there are some people out there who are not still not following it. And then, then it takes them longer to get uh, a job as a result. Is there something like that? Yes, I would say that soul search before you job search. Mm. So I think a lot of people, when they are disgruntled at their job or they need a new path, they just head to job boards. And I say that you're you're like five steps ahead. Like, let's get clear on what you wanna do. And this is something I, I have a whole process called a one-page career vision in my coaching program and people realize, oh my gosh, when I take two steps back, three steps back to focus on what exactly do I want next? Not just the title, not just the industry, but the values and all these different things that go into it. Then in the job search, they, it's like a tortoise in the hair situation that, yeah. you know, the hair is running ahead, um, you know, going on the job boards and they're not landing the job, but the tortoise who is focused on these elements oh my gosh, then they started getting all of these offers. It really gets so clear. So you really need to slow down to speed up. Yeah, I love that. Um, it's funny, you, you, you use the um, tortoise and hair analogy. I was going to use putting the cart before the horse. <laughs> yeah. Also, you know, like vision, I don't know what I want. It's like, uh, I'm just going to go to the bar and order. To, yeah, what, what do you want to have? So it's it's like uh, the job boards feels like that. It feels like it's a comfort because it's familiar. Even if they don't respond, it's like, oh, I've sent 50 applications today. I feel so good about myself. I'm like, no, dude, um, it's it's not going to really going to get you anywhere. Yeah. Um, I understand that. Any Any other piece of advice that you feel? Oh, I wish people would do this a little bit more. For example, I would say that uh, I don't have anyone, any of my clients focused on applying online. Mm -hmm. Like that's just something that we skip over. And again, it ends up leading to planning jobs faster. And so I think it is what you're saying about these kind of almost procrastination actions, applying online, getting certifications. They feel easy. They feel tangible. They feel like something you can hold on to, but really, you know, avoiding those things and focusing on the the high value interactions that you can have in the job search really makes the difference. I understand that. I love that. Um, Fabulous. So Madeline, we're coming close to the end. And there is one question I ask all my guests. When you look back on your career so far, is there one standout defining moment that supercharged your career and helped you to move towards your current success? Wow. I would say that it really has to be uh, when I worked as the head of HR um, at at that tech company and Mm -hmm. really putting, putting all of my work into building out a really high function culture. The first thing I did was build out the recruiting process. And I remember, you know, also putting together a full company retreat where we all went out to Palm Springs and just the 
to look around the room and know that I had basically brought on most of the people in the room and to see them all interacting, to see the success the company was having, to see the CEO stand up there and like be so proud of the values that him and I had set together with the influence of all the employees just to have my fingerprints on so many different parts of a business. It was just that really, I think set my career on such a trajectory where I gained that confidence. And I think what people often think is that I was born confident. You were born confident, but confidence comes from achievement. Confidence comes from choosing to do something that is extremely uncomfortable, realizing you not only survive, but potentially even thrive. And that's how you build it. And that's why I think that I've been able to go on this path so diligently because I've seen it all at this point. Like I've built things from the ground up and I've really seen what it takes. And so it's just, that really changed me forever. I get that. And, you know, going back to what you said at the beginning, which I loved, I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I got in, rolled up my sleeves, went to Amazon, um, you know, uh, bought a couple of books and read them and did the work. You know, a lot of us, it's funny, a lot of us go and get the books, buy the course, uh, but not follow through. You know, it's a it's a question of commitment, following through and huge amount of curiosity. It must have been scary as heck. Ooh, I'm responsible for HR. Let's see. Okay, uh, I've not really worked at this level before. It seems quite senior. I'll figure it out. How do you lead a team? How do you do all of that? And and kudos to you for having done that. So, um, I love I love the story, and so fantastic, Madeline. So anyone who's listening, you're like, oh my gosh, this sounds amazing. She sounds awesome, and I want to reach out. What's the best way for people to learn more about you? Absolutely, you can hop over to my website, MadelineMan.com. Uh, you can hear about how to work with me or just get a bunch of free resources or on, on the front page of that site. Um, also, you know, come join me on, on YouTube, Self-Made Millennial. Watch the videos, follow me on LinkedIn. Um, you can find me as Madeline Man on there. Just look for the orange photo. Yeah, with the tangerine tips. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Love that. Madeline, this has been so much fun and I wish you so much success with Self-Made Millennial and beyond. Thank you so much for your time today. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. Hey, you made it till the end. That shows that you care about your career. And that means we need to hang out a little bit more. So just a couple of things. A new podcast episode is dropped every single Monday. Wednesday, I take out one email which relates to your career and absolute amazing insights that I only share on email. So if you want to subscribe, go to the link in my show notes. That's superchargeyourself.com forward slash newsletter. And finally, did you know I hang out on LinkedIn, YouTube, and Facebook live every single Friday at 2 p.m. Central European time. So you are more than welcome to join me. Just follow the links in the show notes. And if you enjoyed this episode, maybe share it with three of your closest friends. And if you're feeling even more generous, leave me a fabulous review on Apple Podcasts. That really, really helps the discoverability of the show. So thank you so much for listening. Take care of yourself. And until next time, bye for now.